Welcome to another dynamic word from Pastor Ron Hammonds, Senior Pastor of Golden Triangle Church on the Rock in Southeast Texas. We're so glad you're joining us. For more information about Golden Triangle Church on the Rock Ministries, visit our website, cotr.com. Enjoy the word. Well, are you ready for the word? All right. Open up your Bibles, if you would. We're going to be going to Romans chapter 4, the book of Romans chapter 4. Uh, recently, we got to take a group of people to Greece. And uh, just a matter of months ago, several of us, uh, I don't know, 32, 35 of us or so went to Greece. And one of the places we visited when we were in Greece is the city of Corinth. Now, Corinth was one of the most sinful cities in all the world at that time. It was a highly commercialized city, and there were people living there from virtually every nation, every country around the world. And they had a temple there that, uh, that was a temple um, uh, that uh, claimed more than 1,000 temple prostitutes. It's, uh, it's quite uh, an amazing thing when you sit there in Corinth and look around you and realize that the Apostle Paul spent 18 months there in Corinth. And he was just, uh, you know, inundated. He was completely uh, uh, surrounded by things that he had not uh, experienced before. And so it's from that setting that he writes the book of Romans. It's in that setting where he is, he is being uh, uh, challenged every day to come up with answers for people's sin. Because people who are committed sinners, cheaters, liars, thieves, all kinds of people who are committed sinners, and it's the only life that they had known, here they are getting born again. They are coming to the church of the living God. They're receiving a real salvation experience, and they don't know what to do with their past, and they don't know what to do with their future because habits really don't die all that quickly. And so, you know, uh, the Apostle Paul is challenged there in that environment. It's while he is there that he receives inspiration from the Holy Spirit, as we understand, uh, uh, to pen the book of Romans, a letter to the church in Rome that he has not visited yet. And, and as we get to chapter 4, he's going to do his best to try to explain to the Christians living in Rome what they need to do in order to please God. How do I please God? How can I make my life a reflection of something that God is happy with? What can I do to become more and more pleasing to God? And so he chooses a character led by the Holy Spirit. He chooses a Bible character that most of us are familiar with. And if you're not familiar with this Bible character, his name is Abraham, let me encourage you to begin attending on our Wednesday evening services. We are going through the book of Genesis right now, and we are talking about Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Our goal is to get to Joseph. We want to make sure that we, as Western Christians, as American Christian base, and I know many of you watching uh, uh, tonight, you're not necessarily American Christians, are watching today. It's nighttime where several of these people are, but, but nonetheless, you represent a Gentile nation, most likely. 
and sometimes Gentiles feel as though that they are exempt from um, following the covenant of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Sometimes people feel as though that they are exempt from, uh, from those Jewish connections. And they imagine that, that, that Abraham had something to do with the Jews and something with the covenant and something, you know, with the nation of Israel. But they almost put him on a back burner over here when we get to the New Testament experience and we don't realize just exactly what God was doing through him and how God was using him in order to bring Messiah to a lost and a hurting world. So today as we look at Romans chapter 4, the Apostle Paul is going to use Abraham to explain to the Roman church how they can please God. In verse 1, reading from the New Living Translation, Abraham was, humanly speaking, the founder of our Jewish nation. What did he discover about being made right with God? If his good deeds had made him acceptable to God he would have had something to boast about. But that was not God's way. For the Scriptures tell us, Abraham believed God and God counted him as righteous because of his faith. When people work, their wages are not a gift, but something they have earned. But people are counted as righteous not because of their work, but because of their faith in God who forgives sinners. Amen. You see, the Apostle Paul is writing this letter to the church, and he's telling them that, that more than impressing God with your work, you need to please God with your faith. And he's writing to a people who had before understood that the way to God is through a law. Is through keeping a law, a lot of do's and don'ts. And if I do this, then God likes me. If I don't do this, God doesn't like me. If I do this, then God's going to punish me. God's going to hate me. God's not going to appreciate me. God's not going to bless me. And so they lived in a lot of restrictions based upon do's and don'ts, based upon uh, you know, um, uh, the law, based upon whether I can impress God or not with my righteousness. Can I impress God by living right? Can I impress God by keeping the law? Can I impress God by giving and helping people? Can I impress God with my works? But here the Apostle Paul is writing and telling them that if you earned something, it would not be a gift. And the only way to get salvation is through a gift. The only way to get forgiveness is through a gift. You cannot earn forgiveness. You cannot start doing something or stop doing something and put yourself in a position to where God feels obligated to forgive you. God is not obligated to forgive us. God forgives us by His grace. We cannot impress God enough to purchase forgiveness. We cannot impress God with our works enough to purchase salvation. Rather than impressing God, it's important that we find out how we can please Him. And that's what the Apostle Paul is trying to get across. 
And he's using Abraham as an example of someone who discovered how to be made right with God. You see, blessings are a gift given to those who are right with God. Blessings are a reward that God gives, not a wage, but a reward, a blessing that God gives to the person who is right with Him. Blessings come to us when we please God. So what pleases God? What makes us right with Him? He's very plain whenever He said, it is our faith. Later, the writer of Hebrews would tell us that without faith it is impossible to please God. It's impossible to be made right with God if you do not trust Him, if you do not believe Him, if you do not have enough faith to realize that He loves you and forgives you because He is wonderful, not because you are. You cannot impress God enough to purchase forgiveness, but you can please Him by trusting Him. And that's what Abraham found. You know, we may not always get things right. Abraham didn't get things right. But God wants us to know that Abraham shined in one area of life. And the, life, the, the, the area of life that Abraham shined in is that Abraham believed God. Now, I encourage you to, to, get, to take the opportunity to go online and go back and listen to our Wednesday evening service as we talked about how God chose Abraham. How God said, I want to be in covenant with that man. Why? Because that man has a capacity to believe me. That man trusts me. That man knows that I will help him. That man knows that I will forgive him. That man is the man I want to be in covenant with. You see, God chose Abraham because he knew, the Bible says, that Abraham would trust him, that Abraham would believe him. Abraham did believe God. And when the Apostle Paul was writing in the book of Romans, he used a specific instance to where God spoke to Abraham and told him that he was going to bless him, and Abraham believed God. And it was counted to him for righteousness. That account comes from Genesis chapter 15. In Genesis chapter 15, if you'll look with me, beginning in verse 1, the Bible says, Sometime later, the Lord spoke to Abram in a vision and said, Do not be afraid. Well, there's a good word from God. Do not be afraid. Don't let fear capture you. When you get afraid... You, 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 you freeze up. When you get afraid, you know, faith stops in your life. When you get afraid, life just seems to slow down and freezes you up. This is God saying to Abraham, do not be afraid, Abraham. What is, what is God saying? He's saying, don't be afraid of your future. Don't be afraid for your future. Don't be afraid for all the things and all the dreams and all the hopes that you have. Don't be afraid, God is saying to Abraham. Don't worry. Don't be afraid, Abraham. For I will protect you. And your reward will be great. You know, God knows something about your future. 
That's why you end up, whenever you get close to God, getting very happy and very excited. is because you start feeling about yourself and your situation the way that God feels about you and your situation. If you're ever down in the dumps, if you're ever worried, if you're ever depressed, if you're ever frustrated, angry, just get close to the Lord. Put on some worship music. And and the closer you get to God, the more joy will fill your heart. Why? Because you begin to feel what God feels about you. You begin to understand that God is going to protect your reward. He's going to watch over you. And you don't have to be afraid of your future. And Abraham here... Verse 2, but Abram replied, O sovereign Lord, let me tell you what I have to be afraid of. Let me tell you why I'm not at peace. Let me tell you why I'm not satisfied. Let me tell you why I'm worried. Let me tell you. O sovereign Lord, what good are all your blessings when I don't even have a son? Since you've given me no children, Eliezer, of Damascus, a servant in my household, will inherit all my wealth. Now, let's take a step back into Abraham's paradigm for a moment. Let's step back into his culture for just a moment. Let's step back into what he's considering. You see, for Abraham, leaving something behind is the most important thing in his culture, in his custom. His paradigm is, is that if he does not have a son, then everything he's worked for all of his life, There's no one to leave it to. Why is he working? Why is he doing anything? Why is he accomplishing anything? Why is he going out and and, and trying to make things better when there's no one to leave it to? Now God shows up. He sees the turmoil in Abraham's heart. He sees the turmoil in Abraham's mind. And he realizes that Abraham is afraid for his future. And he's questioning, why in the world am I working so hard? I'm not going to have anything to show for it. I have nothing. Whenever I leave, some servant of mine who was raised, born in my house, some guy from Egypt, some guy, you know, he, he, he's going to end up, you know, taking, taking everything I have. Well... Uh, Some guy from Damascus. But God, when he sees this, he says, Abraham, don't be afraid. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to protect you. I'm going to protect you. I'm going to reward you. God, oh, sovereign God, what good is all your blessings? Have you ever felt that way? (laughs) What, What good are all the things you didn't promise me? Because I am in a place right now where I don't see a future where I don't see a hope, where I don't see how you're going to help me through this thing. What good are all your blessings? Since I don't have a son, since you've given me no children and and a servant will inherit my wealth. Verse 3, you have given me no descendants of my own so that one of my servants will be my heir. Then the Lord said to him, no. I love it when the Lord says, you don't know it all. You don't know everything. Don't quit here. There's no reason to quit. Don't stop here. Don't leave it there. That's not the end of the story. No, no, you've got the story wrong. You've got the narrative wrong. You've stopped at the wrong place. Don't stop here. Don't stop where you are. No. Where you are is not the end, he said. Where you are is not the final word. Where you are is, 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 is not where I see you. No, he said. Your servant will not be your heir, for you will have a son of your own who will be your heir. Now, Abraham is 85 years old at this point, and his wife is 75. 
Abraham, you're going to have a son. No, it's not over yet. Oh, wait, God. Verse 5, then the Lord took Abraham outside and said to him, look up into the sky and count the stars if you can. That's how many descendants you will have. Verse 6, and Abram believed God. Boy, there's a choice. There's a decision that we can make. Whenever God speaks to us, whenever God says to you, don't be afraid, it's going to be okay. And you say, God, how in the world can it be okay? Look at where I am and look at what's going on. And look, God, I have no hope. Oh, God. And God says, no, you do have hope. I'm going to do something with your life. I'm going to do something more than you can imagine. It's not going to stop here. You're not going to stop. I've got a plan for your life. I'm going to do it. Your dream's going to come true. And Abraham, that's where Abraham shined. His situation hadn't changed. No doubt the circumstances looked as bleak as ever. And every day he was aging and it was getting worse. In fact, it was going to be another 15 years from this point until Abraham and Sarah had a child named Isaac. Verse 6, Abraham believed the Lord. He believed God. He believed God. That's why God wanted to make a covenant partner out of Abraham. That's why Paul is using him as an example of telling us how we can please God, not impress God, how we can please God. We can please God by faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please him. We must understand that those who come to God must first believe that he is, Hebrews says, and that he is a rewarder of those who get close to him. Abraham believed God. The Lord counted to him as righteousness because of his faith. Um, well, as I said, Abraham was 85 years old at this point. He and Sarah had been living in the land of promise for 10 years. You'd think 10 years in the land of promise. 10 years after following God to, 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 to the promised land uh, you know, would have been enough. But it wasn't. His wife was still barren. They'd been married for 35 years and she had not conceived. It was at this time, just after God visited Abraham, that Sarah came up with a plan. Sarah decided that since God wanted to bless Abraham and since God said he wasn't through with Abraham and, 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 and since God has you know, uh, uh, made this promise, let me tell you what, you know. Why don't we find a way to make the blessing of God come to pass? Why don't we find a way that we can help God out in doing what only God can do? And uh, it ends up that Abraham and Sarah decide to take matters into their own hands, no doubt to see if they could help God fulfill the plan of God in his life. You see, blessing ourselves instead of waiting on God to bless us never works out like we imagine. Blessing ourselves instead of waiting on God to bless us never works out like we imagine. We get to the next chapter, chapter 16 in the book of Genesis. And we look at verse 1, just after Abraham has been visited by God. Now, Sarah, Abram's wife, had not been able to bear children for him 
but she had an Egyptian servant named Hagar. So Sarai said to Abram, the Lord, this is God, by the way, <laughs> the Lord, you know, all you have to do is interject the Lord into something and all of a sudden it becomes right. No. The Lord has prevented me from having children. Go and sleep with my servant. Perhaps I can have children through her. And Abraham agreed with Sarah's proposal. Now, perhaps you've read the story or heard the story. Let me just encapsulate it for the sake of time. Let me tell you that, that instead of waiting on God, uh, Abraham had a son with Sarah's handmaiden, Hagar. And uh, they named him Ishmael. Thirteen years after that son was born, Abraham is 99 years old, Sarah is 90. God, in his time, causes Sarah to conceive and bring forth the promised son who will inherit the covenant. The son's name is Isaac. You see, God does what only God can do. Ever since that moment, the descendants of Ishmael, who was born as a work of the flesh, and Isaac, who was born a son of the promise, ever since that moment, these two and their descendants have been fighting and are still fighting today. And that's the problem that we are still encountering in the Middle East today is the descendants of Ishmael and the descendants of Isaac, both of them fighting over who is the rightful descendant of Abraham, who is the rightful heir of Abraham, and who is it that owns the land? Who is it that owns the land that God gave to Abraham? They're still fighting today. In fact, the last big fight will be right there over the same situations. 2,000 years later. By the way, you know, Proverbs 10 says, the blessing of the Lord makes rich and adds no sorrow to it. <laughs> when God blesses you, it adds no sorrow. When you bless yourself, well... Good luck. Bless yourself with a car. You'll get stuck with a bill. you get stuck with the with with payment. Bless yourself with, with, with a new house. you get stuck with a mortgage. Bless you, you know, the, the reason you can't buy what you want is because you bought what you wanted. Yeah. Bless yourself and sorrow comes along with it. Wait on the Lord's blessing and he adds no sorrow to it. I'm not saying you won't have a payment. I'm just saying if God gives it to you, he'll help you make the payment. You buy it yourself. You know, God doesn't have to pay for something he didn't order. Now, do you go to a restaurant and pay for something you didn't order? No, neither does God. <laughs> so it's real good and wonderful knowing that God wants to love, bless us, God loves us, and God wants to make us uh, you know, uh, prosperous, and God wants to increase us, and God wants to protect us, and God wants to give us wonderful things, but we need to make sure that we are following in His order, in His time, and let Him do the things that only He can do. 2,000 years later, the angel Gabriel showed up to a young girl named Mary in the town of Nazareth, and he said to her, you're going to have a son. Not just any son. That was not a call for her to go out and start trying to get pregnant. You're going to have a son. You're going to give birth to the Son of Almighty God. 
I am so glad that Mary didn't take that word and say, whoa, or just hear half of it and take off running. I'm going to have a son. God's going to bless me. I'm favored. And just go out and start having children. That would kind of mess things up, wouldn't it? You know, sometimes people kind of mess things up. Because they hear a part of the word, half the word, some of the word, and they want to run out and start doing it, blah, 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 and all of a sudden, uh, they have a whole house full of Ishmael's. Works of the flesh. You know, don't move in haste. Don't get worried. Don't get afraid. That's why God said to Abraham, don't be afraid. Fear will move you into places you don't need to go. Fear of not having what you want. Fear that you're never going to have what you want is going to end up causing you to get something that is not best. Trust God. Wait on God. You see, we're talking about faith. We're not talking about how much we can do. We're talking about how much He can do. We're not talking about how we can impress God. We're talking about how we can please Him. We're not talking about how we can make things happen. We're talking about how He can make things happen. Mary was told something that seemed impossible. You may be looking at something that seems impossible. Abraham was looking at something that seemed impossible. He was 99 years old. His wife was 90. And the Bible says that both of them were past the age and stage of life that they could ever expect to have children. Yet, he believed God. Yet, Mary believed God. It seemed impossible to her. What is the impossible situation that, that you are facing what is the situation that you believe God wants to help you with, but it looks impossible? It looks insurmountable. It looks like something that you'll not be able to do. What is the situation you're facing that you're having trouble believing God to fix? God can fix anything. God can just blow up on it. And many times, if we would just let him, he would just wipe it away from us and take us to our greatest day. You can lay down your worst fears at the feet of Jesus. You don't have to worry. Don't be afraid. You may be in a situation you don't like. It might be uncomfortable. It, it might be horrible. It might be painful. It might be disappointing. But don't stop believing God. And don't take matters into your own hands. That's the same message the Holy Spirit is trying to get across to us today is the message that Paul wrote to the church in Rome using Abraham as an example. He calls him our father of faith. Let's go back to Romans now as we conclude our message uh, today. Let's go back to Romans 4 because the Apostle Paul is not finished here in chapter 4 telling us about Abraham. What did Abraham found? Abraham found out how to please God. Abraham found out that if he believed God, God would take care of things that only God can do. That he just needed to continue to trust God, believe God, follow God, obey God. Romans, the fourth chapter, verse 18. Still talking about Abraham. Even when there was no reason for hope, Abraham kept hoping. 
Well, I love that. that. That would just be enough right there. I love the way the New Living Translation puts it. That would be enough right there. Even when there was no reason for hope, Abraham kept hoping. I like that. <laughs> Even when there was no reason to imagine it was possible, Abraham kept imagining. Even when there was no reason to believe, Abraham kept believing. Even when there was no reason to trust, Abraham kept trusting. Even when there was no reason to have faith, Abraham had faith. When we face impossibilities in life, and it looks like there is no reason to hope, you can always hope in God. For if, well, we'll find out Abraham says it. He says it better than I could. Again, even when there was no reason for hope, Abraham kept hoping, believing that he would become the father of many nations. For God had said to him, that's how many descendants you will have. And Abraham's faith did not weaken, even though at about 100 years of age, he figured his body as good as dead, and so was Sarah's womb. But yet, his faith did not weaken. He didn't let circumstances change his faith. He did not change his theology to accommodate a tragedy. But rather, verse 20, Abraham never wavered in believing God's promise. In fact, his faith grew stronger. And this, in this, he brought glory to God. His faith grew stronger. He continued in a relationship with God so that every time something came to challenge his faith, every birthday and every year he got older and every time he felt older, he would just stir up his faith and he would grow his faith, his trust in God. I've got to trust God more because I'm less able. I've got to trust God more now because it's been longer. I've got to trust God more now because it's harder. And his faith grew. Verse 21, he was fully convinced that God is able to do whatever he promises. Boy, there's the decision we need to make. Of course, we need to make sure we know his promises. But we need to realize and be fully convinced and fully persuaded that God is able to keep his promises. He can do anything he promises. And because of Abraham's faith, verse 22, God counted him as righteous. And do you remember when we are right with God, that's where the blessings come. When we're right with God, that's where the reward comes. When we're right with God, that's when we're at peace in our, in, in our own lives, joy and peace and patience. And when we're right with God and the fruits of the Spirit are evident in our life, when we're right with God, when we please God, not trying to impress him. Verse 23, And when God counted him as righteous, it wasn't just for Abraham's benefit. Listen to me. The Apostle Paul writing this and Moses pinning this about Abraham. When God counted Abraham as righteous, it wasn't just for Abraham's benefit. It was recorded for our benefit, too, assuring us 
that God will also count us as righteous if we believe in him, the one who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead. This Bible was not just written so that we could praise Abraham and say, what a guy. But it was recorded for our benefit too. So that when we believe God, we also shall be made righteous, be counted right with God. And the Bible says God will not withhold any good thing from those who are right with him. So, I'll say to you what I heard Paul say and what, you know, God said uh, to Abraham. Don't be afraid for your future. God has a plan for your life. Trust him. Put your faith in him. And make sure that you are close to him, pleasing him instead of trying to impress him. You cannot change your life enough to purchase forgiveness. But you can believe that God loves you enough to forgive you. You can believe that God loves you enough to bless you. You can believe that God loves you enough to save your soul. The things we most desperately need only come by faith. The one thing you need more than anything else is salvation in Jesus Christ. It won't come because you give money to the church. It won't come because you spend hours in prayer. It won't come because you do something good for someone else. It will only come because you believe in Jesus Christ that you believe He is the Son of God, the Savior of the world. Once you believe and receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you are made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And it's from that place, from that foundation of salvation, it's from that place we do good works not so that we will be saved, but because we have been saved. Not so that we will be forgiven, but because we have been forgiven. Not so that we will be blessed, but because we have been blessed. It's from that place we live a pleasing life to God. Every day realizing that His forgiveness, His blessings, His salvation... His love, His joy, His peace belong to us because we are His children. Are you saved today? Are you saved? Have you believed in Jesus Christ? Have you believed the good news that there's a God that loves you that much that He'll give you a free gift that you cannot earn? It is by His grace alone. Are you saved? If you are saved, are you right with Him? Do you know what it takes to be right with God? It takes one sincere, I'm sorry. That's what it takes to be right with God. 
Forgive me, God. Lord, forgive me. That's what it takes. Are you right with God? Have you laid your life down to what He can do instead of trying to fix it on your own? You cannot fix the problems you have caused. You cannot fix other people. But you can give it to God. Give it to God. And then, lastly, are you patiently trusting God for what only He can do? If there's something in your life, something you're concerned about in your future, let me encourage you, patiently trust the Lord. Give it to Him. Let Him do what only He can do. Amen. Thanks again for joining us for another dynamic message from Pastor Ron Hammonds. Visit cotr.com and subscribe to our social media platforms to stay up to date. As well, receive more encouraging messages from our pastor and details of the work we're doing both in our community and communities like ours around the world. Today and every day, God bless.